Welcome to episode six of Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Peter Crable. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, Mr. Crabes. I gotta tell you, it's nice to be back. Uh, this reference might be lost on our audience. It certainly will be lost on you, but Mr. Crable looks like Grizzly Adams <laughs> right now. That was a... I was hoping I would get a nice compliment on the beard. Do you know who Grizzly Adams of was? Of course, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like the brawny man. It was a, yeah. it was a popular I don't set. I the brawny man show. actually has a beard, though. It's a weak beard. I yeah. Think it's, I think it's glorified five o'clock shadow. Mr. Mr. Crabes can grow an impressive beard. Thank you. Yes. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to see you, man. Yeah. And of course, back in the studio, Mr. C. Siddons, you're I'm live. live. No I won't more, be able to talk as much no, this time. No more phoning in. Yeah, you did. You you were, I think we agreed that without me present, you were you were much more loquacious. And I think you felt bad about it. I did, because it did, did show the, the negative impact I, I have on you when we're together. But you already knew that. In the studio. I you know. You suck the air out of the room sometimes. I know I do. That's what hosts are supposed to do. And principals. Anyway, we're glad to be back, folks. We took a little bit of a hiatus. Mr. Siddons had Frida. Who's, Holy moly. Who's doing well, right? Yep. She's doing great. Yep. She's coming along. She almost she's two great. months almost two months old. She already is two months. Okay. Yeah. Showed yep. us a picture of her little baby burrito uh, in the in the crib. We he's, call her the it's the Ferrito. He's <laughs> the Ferrito. <laughs> I think they I think they have her sleeping in a twin bed though, which <laughs> I know that I'm not quite sure about. It's but, actually you know, a California King crib. <laughs> well, for our listeners, um, Mr. Siddons has Frida on the on the crib cam right now, right? The parent yeah. stalker cam. And, and yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's a li- it, it gets is, hacked. It's a little it's a little creepy in the black and white, don't you think? Especially when she looks up and her eyes like glow. Yeah. Yeah. Her eyes. It's like Ghostbusters two, like I the see eyes. You. Yeah. Ooh, that's Ghostbusters two. Ooh, I didn't Did you like that reference. Yeah, I'm not sure anybody ever saw that movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. I I love that movie. It's funny. That it's not funny. as good as Ghostbusters one. How could it be? Those were right. But, but in when they got possessed, uh, they took over and his. The one, uh, Janos, his name was. Janos. <laughs> and he went down the hallway and the lights were out because the power went out and he had a laser eyes with the yellow. And I'll never forget it as a kid. It was the most terrifying yeah. thing. Were you alive when Ghostbusters 2 came out? 1989. Oh, okay. I, I didn't see that. What do you think that was rated? PG-13? No, PG-13. PG. I don't okay. think PG-13 was invented. In those, Thank yeah. you. I, I was going to say, Mr. Crable, where were you, born yesterday? <laughs> PG-13 just came along like 20 years ago. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's fairly yeah, recent. It's fairly new. Okay. Yeah. Not 20. It was like mid-90s. And Frida's doing well. She's doing great. Sleeping yeah. through the night almost. Almost, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, good sleeper. congratulations again. We had lots of questions from our listeners on Twitter and... Um, via different forms of communication about how Frida was doing. And people want to see pictures, but wow, we're, that, we're, we're, that's not a part of the we've, game. We've disrupted the, the social media game in, I, you, in my family. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's that about? Well, they some people in my family want to post pictures on Facebook Without and social, permission, right? Are you guys being that couple? We we have we have put a complete block. Our, our generation, Mister Mister Dodd, is a lot more sensitive to <laughs> oh, yeah. exploiting our children oh. for a few for a few likes for a few, for a few like, hearts on Instagram, a few dopamine hits, a few RTS on Twitter. Right? Hey, listen, I I hear you. I I agree. I mean, I'm completely shocked by how appalling Generation X people are on social media it's not it's boomers no generation xers are no. by and large they are mostly the people i've talked to they're like oh that makes yeah that makes sense but the boomers are really 
are really uh, They're dismayed proud, proud by grandparents. It. They are. They are. And you know what? To my, to his credit, my dad was very. He took it well. He took it well. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, we're glad Frida's doing well. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Ed's Not Dead PC, and of course, check out our website, Ed's Not Dead dot com. As always, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Pulp Education, a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. It's good to be back. I missed you guys. I know. It's the first time we've gotten together. and we've it's tried a few times, and schedules have not aligned. Yep. The stars have not aligned, unfortunately. Yep. There has been a clamor out there for the return of Ed's Not Dead. As I'm getting sh- texts left and right as about it. As there should be. Yep. Um, and we're watching Wild Card Weekend. We're watching some football while we record. This is kind of nice in the studio. Yeah. Right? I like it. Casey is... I couldn't tear so him away. Good. So good. Uh, any show feedback? Any updates? Well, can we pause in a little bit and talk about my my Christmas gift from Jim Patterson? No, oh, what'd you what, one tea? What'd you get from one tea? I got uh, three Green Bay Packer onesies <laughs> nice. in different colors: the, pink, yellow, and green. Those are good for Frida. And a T-shirt, Green Bay Packer T-shirt for me. Which I was like, oh, that was generous of him. Yeah, it's nice. And then he, I texted him and said thank you and all this other stuff. And, and he said, that's f- that's for uh, our bet. What bet? What was your bet? Well, I, I don't know if you know. You were on the group message with, with all our gaggle of people. but uh, The group text. It was before, I think it was around the, 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 the election of 2016. And my bet was that he would be serving for a term and a half. And Mr. Patterson said, no, he'd be out within two years. <laughs> Oh, so he re- he he paid up. He paid up his okay. bet. And every every time every time a news story would come by, he would send me because like, I had to get him Packers gear if I lost. Yeah, he would send me like obnoxious Green Bay Packer <laughs> logo filled items, like a car with a Green Bay Packer logo. Every time a news thing would that's come out, that's a good out. bet. I like that bet. Yeah, I won. Does he does he listen to the pod? I don't know. We should call him. <laughs> We've tried that bit before. Yeah. No, we don't want to do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always wondered whether he listens to the pod. Well, some people listen to the pod, like friend of the show, Luba. Yes. Who sent me a very nice email. Uh, first of all, congratulations to Mr. Siddons on becoming a father. Ah, thank you. Thanks to Luba. Uh, she, I binge listened the entire season three while cooking for Thanksgiving. Discussions about whether we overprogram our kids and the role of Khan Academy in public education were great. As a parent, I see a need for balance between demanding and rigorous academic curriculum, what her kids get in magnet programs, and after-school activities that enrich her kids' lives. She thinks that Khan Academy could be ideal for the flipped classroom teaching style, where teachers have an active role in making sure that students are mastering the subjects and learning to recognize what they do and don't understand. As always, looking forward to new episodes. Thank you, Luba. It's very nice. It's yeah. awesome. Yep. yep. So she's she's been a loyal listener. Since she has been. Yeah, yep. we appreciate that. Yep. Thanks. I have some Twitter feedback just from today. Yep. What do you got? Uh, so someone on Twitter, a high school teacher, I believe in Oklahoma, if Druin OK is to be believed, um, she asked for any great math ed podcasts um, in terms of like must hear this one episode. And friend of the show, Carissa June, recommended ours. How to Make Math Teachers Mad, <laughs> which was a couple episodes ago. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but it was, it I'm was proud of that one. title, by the way. That was a good one. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> that yeah. that was good. Sometimes titles, I'm like, all right, you know. And then this yeah. particular one was like, ooh, I like. It was provo- provocative. Very, very. <laughs> so appreciate that. That's awesome. That was it. <laughs> 
Awesome. And uh, that, that a, particular discussion was, major... was about San Francisco public schools. It was, it was about and, uh, uh, yeah, algebra. And, and the collapsing of al- algebra sections. Right. For right. nobody in middle school could take algebra right. anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. right. I don't even remember that segment. It was like 16 years ago, I think. I think it might have been the season one, or uh, sorry, um, episode one of this season. It was okay. very early on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're at episode six, and it is 2020. It oh, is. Oh, my goodness. So, in honor of uh, 2020 and um, the controversy that's surrounding the idea that we are in a new decade, are we, we uh, speaking yes. of math, are we in a new decade or do we not start the no, new we're, decade we're until in a new decade. Tw- we're in 2021? A new decade. Well, that's that's right. a silly debate. I'm provincial. Right. It starts with a two now, okay. not right. one. Right. 20s. It's, pretty, it's a new decade. The it, 20s. Basic. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but uh, uh, a very smart young man who listens to the show told me that uh, we're not in a new decade because there's no zero. Oh, so I I didn't argue with. What does that, that mean? There's no zero. Well, there's you don't start counting until you get to one, I guess. Oh, jeez, these people and their rules. So are we in the ether right now? We're in no no decade. That's <laughs> yeah, just I guess we're in a shell. There's a little. All right, so we if we are in a new decade, then we have to look back on the to. teens. You got to. Uh, Matt Barnum and Gabrielle Lamar Lemay have a really I think fascinating article, and it was reinforcing for me because um, a lot of what they talk about in this piece in Chalkbeat um, could have been stolen from our three seasons of Ed's. Maybe it was. Ed's, yes. We don't could know have that been. Could have been. Ed's not dead. So their title of the article is 10 Stories That Defined K-12 Education in the 2010s. Why can't we call them the teens? Teens. Let's call it the teens. Are you ready? That's a little tricky with the 2010 because 10 is not teen. Anyway, go ahead. All right, so we're gonna look. We're gonna look back. Uh, we're gonna talk about these a retrospective. A retrospective, and I guess our first summer of the show was 2017, right? Oh. Yeah, I Jeez. think so. 2017, yes. and, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. the three of us started working together in 2012. 2011. 2011. It was so that's that may that's. That's, it's the decade of that's Ed's not dead. That's, pretty, oh, that's where it was a thing. Yeah. That is pretty perfect that yeah. we work together and have had a professional association either working or through Ed's Not Dead for, well, the, for the decade. For a better Impressive. part of the decade. Mm. For a plurality of the decade. Mm. All right. So here's a look back at the 10 storylines that shaped K-12. You ready? Yes. Num- number one. So are we, hold on. Is this, is there, are we just listing them right now? Or are we going to go through them? What, what's the, I'm, what's the I'm, rule? I'm going to read them, and oh. then you guys are going to wax philosophical should, on should them. We, should okay. we have a time limit on this? No. I'm going to give you wild hand gesticulations when it's time to move on to I the I think we should topic. have like an alarm that should stop us All from right. talking. Can I read them? Okay, sorry. Yes, please. Right. The racial makeup of America's students has continued to change. America's teachers, not so much. In 2014, students of color made up the majority of public school students for the first time in U.S. history. However, 80% of America's public school educators are white, a figure that has barely changed in decades. They go on to cite that there has been a flurry of recent research and evidence that suggests or that indicates that uh, students of color certainly benefit when they have teachers of color or teachers of different racial or ethnic backgrounds in front of them in classrooms. Uh, Mr. Sins, I'm going to start with you on this because you've done some work around this with teachers Mm -hmm. and um, recruiting teachers and training teachers. What are your thoughts on the lack of uh, continuing lack of diversity in America's teacher corps? Uh, It's it's a, it's going to be an uphill climb 
I think. Uh, I it's think a great it's, profession. It is a great profession, but I think it's. I think we'd be remiss uh, to say, and I, I, I get a little annoyed when people say, well, there's, there's just no candidates out there. And that's just not accurate. It's just system, school systems need to do more in terms of outreach for, for teachers of color, and then school systems need to do more in terms of building the capacity of those who are in their community to ultimately enter the profession. Okay. I think this is a major issue moving forward. I think it's already a major issue, but in terms of how to address it. Yeah. I mean, so you say it's a great profession, but I'm like, really? Like, is it? If you're... It is. If you're 22... It's a cornerstone of Ed Not, Ed's Not Dead. It's, it's, part of our, it's part of our vision statement. That <laughs> I, teaching, I agree. Teaching I agree. is a great profession. I've been a little, you know, the, the shortened daylight hours always get me down a okay. little bit. So right. I've been a little bit more on the pessimistic right. side. Do you, do you have that special lamp that you I do. Use? I haven't okay. used it in like five years. Okay. So right. sitting nicely I remember in the walking into him, his house one morning. I was picking him up <laughs> that, or something. That, and he's, I remember what he told me. You don't have to share this story. Why right, I, this I, won't, story? I won't share it. Yeah, I was sitting in front of the lamp like three inches from my face. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, trying not to be depressed. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, no, but just in terms of how, so, you know, I do think, as you said, it is incumbent upon macro, I'm sorry, micro level schools and school districts and stuff like that to recruit people within the community to come. But, you know, we've talked at length about kind of the national conversation about schools and teaching and, you know, the job certainly isn't getting any easier. Right. Um and people don't do it to to be millionaires or whatever. Right. But as Robbie's pointed out before, what's wrong with making a living wage or even a comfortable wage? And although in some districts that's certainly the case, um, I'm not sure that everywhere. I know that everywhere that's not the case. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, it just. I, but it seems to me we're missing something here. Yeah. If if eighty percent, according to this article, mm-hmm. of of teachers are Caucasian in this country. Uh, there, there are plenty of white people that are still interested in teaching. Are there structural, institutional barriers, racist barriers that are continuing to keep teachers of color, teachers of, from different ethnic backgrounds out of the profession? Why do most people go into teaching? I asked a question. You're doing the Sean Hannity. I am. The I answer am. my why did question. people go? Why do people go into teaching? What? What, what a, kind they of they had a great experience? They had in a school. great experience in school. Most people yeah, like okay. they played teacher. Well, there you go. Then. As as children, or they loved school, or they played house at home, or teacher. They played school at home, or whatever. Or their legacies, like me. Yeah, right. And that's but what that was. I was my say point is, like they, uh, by and large, when you're in a school where when you're underfunded school or school system or you're in an, uh, a school that's underperforming or what or, about if you're in a school where you never see anybody teaching that looks correct. like you, right. you, right? you, you don't make so any connections we with assume, right. teachers and you're not like, well, this is not right for me. Right. It's a broad brush, but you're not having the same experience, a positive experience in school as students who are white. Remember Zaretta Hammond said to us and, and I, I totally pathetically kind of tried to counter it. I mean, she said that, you know, public schools were conceived in a racist manner in this country. So why would anyone want to go back into that profession? Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and if you're not, if your own culture is not represented and or reflected in the teaching materials or the people or the, the activities or whatever, I mean, what's going to push you to want to do that? Uh, not much. And let's be honest. Think. So much of not just teaching jobs, but jobs in general are about 
your circle and who you know and the yes. people that you associate with. Right. And so if it's already predominantly white, right. And I guess this is I'm making the assumption that the predominantly white teaching core has oh, yeah, you have white trem- friends, you have but, tremendous advantages. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean that's right. been shown in all yeah. professions. Yeah. Um yeah, I remember reading an uh, an article uh, a research piece done at Hopkins about um working on the waterfront in Baltimore mm-hmm. and that, you know, uh white working class workers had a much better chance of getting those jobs because of affiliation with unions and everything else. And if you were a person of color, you were locked out totally. All right, moving on. Ready? Let me say one last thing. Go ahead. And um, So to my point about changing the conversation, so I do think some some of the movement in the last two years or or what have you about the importance of public education, about funding public education, about the importance of teachers – about how great teachers make great schools. Right. So I think that's part and parcel of it. And we talked to Randy Weingarten and asked her, you know, kind of, I can't remember the question, but it was essentially, like, how do we make schools better? Like, what's next? And hers was essentially that, reframing how we talk about schools and the right. purpose of schools. Right. So I think that, and really changing about everybody thinks about schools, that schools are great for everyone on a national level from national politicians is extremely important. Right. At the end of the day, what do we need to do? I think we have to start with paying them more. Yeah, set, set a base salary for yeah. of seventy thousand, eighty thousand right, dollars. We're going to get to that. Stop. Oh, yeah. okay. Number two, the Common Core had a meteoric rise and a complicated fall. Now it quietly persists. As the decade started, states were adopting a new set of standards for what math and English concepts children's children <laughs> children. <laughs> Childish should know. What are the children's doing? <laughs> a brainchild of state leaders, juiced by substantial funds from the Gates Foundation. Oh, there's those philanthropies again. And the Fed r- raced to the top program. The Common Core was initially adopted by 45 states. That's a lot of states. And it has had, I don't know if I'd say a quiet death. They say that it persists. Uh, I think it's had a lot more influence than we maybe this is giving it credit for. Okay, pray tell. I mean, it was a a major shift in the standards by which teachers were getting their curriculum and teaching. I th- I felt. I mean, I remember the first time I saw the the standards, or at least the packet of standards that was initially being rolled out, and I was like, "Whoa, this is this is a pretty dramatic shift from what maybe I had been trained on as a as a." student teacher. So why only three years prior? So when we in our last episode looked at the NAEP data. Why didn't a commitment to higher standards and harder standardized testing result in better student outcomes? Well, I, I think because some states, I mean, as the article goes on to say in the third paragraph there, talks about how states tweaked it or rebranded it or took some parts of it and didn't use other parts of it. So it came out as a comprehensive set of standards, then different states took a different approach to it. In the one state that on the most recent um, NAEP data that was highlighted for fully and wholeheartedly endorsing and implementing Mississippi. Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember, they had the really dramatic gains. They did. It was just in literacy that they really um, dramatically Because they bought into it hook, line, and sinker. And they have been doing it for seven years or eight years, kind of, um, I think, as it was intended. Now, I'm not saying that that would work in every state, but at least in that one particular instance, um, it certainly has been effective. Okay, so the question is, will there be another standards-based movement in our careers and our lifetimes? Because no. this one, this one no. has run its course. No, no. Okay, it put it such a bad taste in people's. Well, mind. and also it's 
I mean, so much of education is on, all right. On to the next thing. How, yeah, it, how did it, all, it also became politicized? I was going to say, like everything. Did, how, how did it get politicized? They called it. I, I heard this one substitute <laughs> used to call it the communist core. <laughs> That's like, that sounds like straight out of Fox News. It is totally, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it um, got associated with the Obama administration, right? Even right. though it's even though its its genesis was bipartisan, right? Well, and I think a and lot it of put it put the states in control, right? And, and from a parent perspective, oh, parents hated it, hated it specifically <laughs> with math, right? Yeah. So they grew up learning, let's just say, the times tables in this and that and whatever, and. Um, when they saw the ki- the homework that their kids was br- were bringing home, it was all of a sudden like they don't even teach kids to add, to you know add anymore. They don't ke- teach kids the basics and all that. So I think there was they don't use number blocks and abacuses anymore. <laughs> exactly, and there were therein lied the problem. With and a they lot need of the calculators. Pushback. So there you go, they, they, the abacus argument. Yeah. I, I know. Well, I have a my sixteen year old was a Common Core baby. Yes. Um, <laughs> And he a really core baby. seriously he was. Yeah, I mean yeah. it, it it from from K till now, his math, for example, the way he learned it was was really different. Mm-hmm. And, and how's he um, doing? I, he's doing great. And I I thought the way that the conceptual underpinnings of the curriculum that he was exposed to made him have a much deeper understanding of mathematical concepts than take the reciprocal and multiply. Yeah. But I think just to, like any to your other point about bipartisan and then and then not, you know, like like many things that are associated with a particular administration or political party, you know, the other side, uh, rightly or wrongly, knee jerks to well that it's bad automatically it's bad. Yeah. And when you have people that are willing to go along with yes it's bad, whether it's parents, whether it's you know school leaders, whoever, um, it just becomes all that much easier to to buy into that argument. With that being said, though, I don't think any of us have wildly championed the Common Core as some panacea, you know, right. for education. But no, I, I, I mean, I feel a little guilty that I, because uh, I was a principal at that time, and um, I mean, I like the idea of of a standards based movement, um, but again, it was incumbent upon states and and municipalities. Who already had curriculum or had to replace their curriculum? I mean, it was a it was a giant ask. Yeah. When well, think to, about how do that. The, bureau, the bureaucracy of public education works from the federal level yeah. all the way down to an individual teacher level. That's a lot of layers to get through and to, to sort yeah. of keep it intact. Yeah. And to have everybody follow yeah. it yeah. hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. It got co. It got that realistic. No, probably it got co. It got co opted. All right, number three. Are you ready? Let's do it. This is an Ed's not dead favorite. The prevailing narrative about teachers and their unions shifted in a major way. In 2009, just 13 states used test scores to evaluate teachers. By 2013, 40 states and Washington, D.C. required it. Those new evaluations were the outgrowth of concerns that too many bad teachers were being allowed to stay on the job thanks to a combination of union protections and limited efforts to judge their performance. Today, though, conversations about America's teachers are more likely to grapple with how to raise long, stagnant teacher pay. Just what you were talking about, Mr. Sids, an idea that's grown increasingly popular as teacher strikes and protests have swept the country. So the narrative on teachers has changed dramatically. I feel like when we started the show, we were still in that cycle of the the demonization of teachers. And uh, during the course of our three seasons, it has changed a lot. A lot. In, and, in the reddest of red states. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where it started. Yeah. 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 Yep. Well, it started with our friend Scott Walker in Wisconsin. Yes. True. True. That, he was the, 
I think he was the he was the they jumped the shark with Scott Scott Walker. The okay, there's that Jump reference the again that you you two still don't know. Jump the shark. How can you know who Grizzly Adams is and not understand? I Jump always the thought shark. the expression was "jump the ship." <laughs> That's what I Jump, thought. Jump the ship. Where did that come I from? Have no idea. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm stuck on the, uh, the metaphor now, but I do credit um, unions pretty much wholeheartedly for seizing the narrative and aggressively promoting the new narrative of long stagnant teacher pay of classroom sizes of how much actually we're spending, which we'll get into later. Um, not only pure pupil, but overall expenditures as well. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to, to our interview with our, our dear friend, Randy, she said that in many ways, the Janice decision opened up unions to, to, to just say, you know what, you don't have to join if you don't want fine. So this is what we're, this is what we're about. This is what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to say. Well, the Janice decision sure didn't deliver what conservatives thought it would deliver. Right. No, they any, thought it was going to strengthen. They it. thought it was going to be the death knell. At the of, end of it. Of and we talked about union. it. And right. I think yeah. we, I, oh, we were, we were worried about yeah, it too. Yeah. We were all yeah, wearing was, black that day on that <laughs> show. Yeah. It was right? like, man, this is going to be pretty yeah. bad. Everybody's yeah. going to jump yeah. ship and unions are done for. But ultimately union membership has increased. Yeah. Across the country. Um, credit to randy weingarten and people like her um who fought i mean she 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 fought arnie duncan and others uh because you know there there were the obama administration was not without um not without responsibility for for furthering that narrative i mean um and and it's an indicative of some of their efforts to be bipartisan yeah. Where they're like, let's do all these great initiatives, but we have to cater to the right. And so we want to make sure that we're doing X, Y, and Z to make sure that we're catering to their right. desires. I mean, the, and the, look what it got them. And they also, and they also, they also hooked uh, resources, money, to, Major. to, to coercive accountability. With, with teacher evaluations, for some school systems having to do for every teacher, yeah, every having year. an evaluation every single year. Yeah. That is 34 states still require student test scores and evaluations. Yep. Now, with all that being said, I do think the importance of a good teacher can't be understated. Of course, of course. And going back to topic number one, or you know, bullet point number one, about continuing to grow the base of people that want to be teachers, and right. to make it an attractive profession is hugely important to sure. getting more and more and better and better right. individuals in the classroom, which ultimately leads to students. Well, it, right. might, it might have woken folks up a little bit. And, and, right. and I, sorry, do you remember in like 2012, yeah. you and I sat in the conference room and we talked about a way to create our own teacher value-added system? Oh, uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. We did. We were sucked in too. We did. Well, we just no. We just we actually had a smart eighth grader that tried to work on it for us. There, did we? (laughs) Yeah, we did. I don't remember that. (laughs) Yeah, he was going to create this algorithm that was going to plug in different data points to give you a a a score on a teacher's effectiveness. And mostly, I was just in you know, and clearly, it's been implemented in a much wider, uh, well thought out manner than I think we had thought about. But the idea of like, yeah, you can boil down fifteen different factors into a number. You know, I think it's appealing. It's yeah, still appealing it is. to me. I know. Um, I agree. And I, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's Charlotte Daniels. Well, I don't think it's just appealing. I think there's there's some amount of merit to it. I mean, the biggest the biggest change in my 25 years has been the connection between pedagogy and outcomes. It didn't really used to exist. I mean, teachers didn't have to necessarily be responsible for how their kids did. 
Um, it was just, are you doing the right thing? Uh, yeah. And are your kids happy? Yeah. Are you teaching the curriculum? There were a lot. Are parents happy? Um, you know, guys like John Saphir uh, and Carol Ann Tomlinson changed that. They said, okay, the end result should be student learning. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that was a natural movement. Um, and then in all other professions, data has gotten to be a, a huge thing. I mean, sabermetrics in sports and baseball, and that's what you and I were thinking along the lines of. We were, we were going to moneyball education. We, we wanted to create the, yes. the, 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 the teacher metric war, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, wins above replacement. Yeah. And, and that's really, that's what value added is about. I think just like anything else in the field, somehow it got compromised and co-opted because it's not... In in application, it's it's incredibly complex, and I think it I think it demoralizes it does. teachers, and it shouldn't when be you, when it you should boil be used down the a, most complex profession on right. the face of the earth. Wow, well, that's a, that's a stretch. <laughs> I don't know. There I, we go. The most complex. <laughs> there we go. Quite a statement. I, it, listen, it, we're, you're teaching thirty students on at one point to get you know to gather information, to facilitate, and to process information. It doesn't Doing have a to... million things at once. Didn't you get in trouble for this like two seasons ago with your mom with nursing, when you when you <laughs> when you claimed that it was oh, yeah. that it was that, yeah. that it was <laughs> uh, <laughs> she yeah. listened and she took great exception. It is, it is one of the most complex jobs. In it the is. Basically. I agree. It's I, the, it, the the work that goes in when you actually. I'm learning how to be a skillful teacher. You for already research are for better teaching. Yeah, the skillful teacher, teacher, yeah. and you dive into that work and the research that's into it, and it's like. The, the the amount of decisions and the things that teachers effective teachers do in their day to day work and their their hour by hour minute by minute is absolutely astounding. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. All right, number four. This is a quick one. Ready? Yes. The backlash built over testing then was translated into federal education law. Continued concerns about the way testing was affecting classroom instruction and the increase of tests being used to evaluate teachers spurred many students to opt out of state exams by the middle of the decade. When Congress rewrote the federal education law, it continued to require annual testing in grades three through eight, but it eased up on that coercive accountability that I always reference, leaving those decisions largely to states. ESSA passed in 2015 with overwhelming bipartisan support. Where are we with testing? We are still testing out the wazoo. I know we are. Yeah, they took away the punitive sanctions of No Child Left Behind, but we've done nothing but add more tests required testing to students and it's just at a ridiculous point it's i was talking to somebody recently i was like i just don't think you know for like from a student perspective how often they're tested i'm not even talking about end of year park tests like just all the time individual classes all the time yeah when i was when last time i was in a school i counted well when i was at a middle school i counted how many tests an, an average eighth grader would take including county state and teacher-led tests and it was 35 mm. and then then in high school you get into um you know high stakes co- testing yeah and the college board i mean you have ap you have yeah. psat you have sat you yeah. have act i mean it's just it's it's it's, it's it, again that is demoralizing for kids yeah. like what it's not a, an enjoyable place to be right. in and, I'm, and i don't want to come across as anti-testing and say well, no, they shouldn't ever take any tests i do think tests have a place, of course. But I, I do think that we've we've really jumped the shark. 
That's it. On wow. Did I use it right? Jump There's the ship. You. Jump the ship. We've jumped the ship. Jump the ship. Yeah. Um, so I would like to see, that is one thing that I would really like to see changed. Why do we need to test every year? Like a standardized back. test. Don't is know. that necessary? When I was in school, it was like, back in my day, it was like, I think it was third, eighth, and 11th grade. Yep. You got to state yeah. testing. I guess, I guess the thing that I would worry most about is the the drain on instructional time that it's had. I think, um, I mean, time is, everybody knows that, you know, I'm a geezer, that time on task, kids learning, yeah, actively learning is the most critical thing in education. And I, a tremendous amount of time is spent on testing. And, and human and, resources. Yeah. I mean, there's like literally testing coordinators yeah. in every school. Oh yeah. I mean, and you change school schedules and everything about school to, to accommodate testing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and that is, that is a new reality and that has not gone away. That's probably the new normal. I think so. And, and will be. All right. Number five, your favorite, Mr. Siddons, charter, charter schools continued to grow, especially in America's cities. About 7% of America's public school students attend a charter school, but in a handful of places like Washington, DC, Detroit, and New Orleans, Charter schools now educate a much larger share of students. By 2017, charters made it up at least 10% of public school enrollment in more than 200 cities and communities. Recently, charters, though, have seen their growth slow as they've faced setbacks politically. A number of leading Democratic candidates, Elizabeth Warren, for president in 2020 have been critical of charters and promised to impose new limitations on them. Hmm. What do we think? What do we think? Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking your, your cut on it. It's that there's enough food at the table, but I think they need to be severely reined in and, and, and uh, I don't know, regulated. Yes. And I think the private, the private sector's role in it needs to end. And so I'm definitely of two minds of this, as I've mentioned ad nauseum you know my kids are in a charter school in mm-hmm. dc mm-hmm. and we're very happy with mm-hmm. it but i've i've is i i think i mentioned in the last episode you know i'm starting to have some moral quandaries over not being in the neighborhood school and not only for my own individual kids but just for neighborhoods in general and what siphoning off kids to all different uh schools in all different parts of the city does to any particular neighborhood yeah um, I like the idea of neighborhood schools being the the driver, the sort of locus point for any particular neighborhood. Yeah, um, and it definitely takes that away. But to your point, I do think that th- there is a place for charter schools. I do think um, letting each individual state decide how they're implemented with federal dollars is a major issue. Right, because they can, as some states have done. We talked about Indiana in particular funneling money basically to private schools, funneling money to religious schools, funneling money to schools that don't comply with federal standards, Mm -hmm. such as educating students with disabilities. Like, all of that is a major, major issue. So I'm down with charters as long as there are some pretty stringent um, regulations on how they can operate, not necessarily on their day-to-day operations, because that is, in some ways, why they've come about in the first place. And part of their success, I do believe, is they are able to be experiments, um, hopefully... More nimble. You know, hopefully successful experiments. Yeah. 
um, to kind of meet varying and different needs for varying and different kids. The right. sort of one-size-fits-all doesn't necessarily work for every jurisdiction. Right. But I do think we need to see some change. But demonization of charters, uh, you know, I'm not down with that. Yeah. So can we say, though, th- that the end of the decade has finally brought to us, as this statement you guys missed in the article, overall, they perform similarly to nearby district schools. I think... I think we can quit living in the fantasy world though, that they're some kind of panacea that they're going to, that they, they outstrip public education as Magi- far as performance, magically making charter schools and saying, look, now we have charter schools. No, that's yeah. not, yeah. it's not a magic wand. And I, and I think folks have come to that realization right. that there's a place for them, but they in no way have, you know, in my mind, uh, been the death knell for public education. No, they've no. not supplanted public schools. No. Nor, w- nor will they. Nor will they. Yeah. Nor should they. Yeah. All right, uh, folks, don't go away. When we come back, we're going to do six through ten. That's right. All right, there's some good ones in there. Thanks for joining us again on Ed's Not Dead. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I am still here with Peter Crable. Yes, sir. And C.H. Siddons. I didn't go anywhere. All right, so we are ready to do the next five top issues of the 20 teens. Uh, we had some good ones so far. What was your favorite one? I thought we started with a bang. I, I, I Well, this is not my favorite. I think the most um, concerning and of the first five was the lack of diversity in the, yes. in, yeah, I agree. in the, in the yes. teacher core. I yep. mean, some of these other, Jesus, that scared the daylights. It was a out head of me. that just fell off the wall. Holy crap. Did it hit you? <laughs> no, it did not. Did it, it scare you? It was a rhinoceros head. <laughs> Are you being sarcastic? No, it's the papier mache rhinoceros holy head. Moly. All right. What can we hold on? What is that? We're not still recording. Right we now, are, and we we're going to keep it. No, in. we're not. Yes, we are. One hundred percent. What is that, and why do you have it? It's been in the studio since, for three seasons. <laughs> what is it? It's a paper mache rhinoceros made by. Uh that's a good question. I don't know where I don't know where I got it from, but it's cool. But it just nearly hit me in the head. That, just got taken out by a. a I'm going to take tusk. a picture of this for the Twitter feed. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Oh, please do. Absolutely. Yeah. That was surprising. It was really loud. And there you go. Okay. You got it? Post that. All right. All right. Moving on. (laughs) Professional radio. This is how you do it. Listen, pro radio. This is how it works. All right. So, as I said before the Rhino fell, um, because this is a continuing problem, I mean, things like the Common Core. And testing and all the all the, all of those things are just the pendulum swing of American public education. Yeah. But this is an area that um, has not gotten any better and um, needs to, I believe, if schools are yeah. gonna are gonna make. Progress. And I don't think it's really on the forefront of kind of new no. education policy reforms. No, I no. Yeah. I mean, maybe locally. Yeah, locally. Yeah, for some systems, I'm for, sure. Yeah. So, I'm sure some systems could care less. Yeah. All right, you guys ready? Ready. Um, 
Okay, so number six, Mr. Siddons, are you ready? Let's do it. Are you done tweeting? Yep. School spending fell and then recovered with major consequences for students. School spending was on an upward trajectory for years. And then what happened, fellas? Great Recession. 2008. Uh, the Obama administration stimulus package. Uh, I think that was a part of TARP, right? That's right. TARP 1 and TARP 2. Um, what were those things called? Troubled SIG. Asset Relief Package. Yes, and then the <laughs> educational version was SIG, School Improvement Grants. Oh, man, I never heard that. Research found those spending cuts really hurt students, leading to lower test scores and graduation rates. That dovetails with a number of studies released this decade that found a clear link between more school spending and better outcomes for students. In real dollar spending returned to previous highs by 2015-16, though the share of the country's GDP devoted to K-12 public schools has not recovered pre-2008. What do you guys make of spending? At some point, I would like to move past the argument about whether spending more money on schools is useful. Because you mean like the Coleman report from 1968, yeah, where that he, because he established that a long time ago? <laughs> we haven't moved well past this. It's like, no, we haven't, but it's just ridiculous that we're still having the same argument in pinching pennies when it comes to schools where every one of your children go every single day, yep. regardless if you have children or not. We all benefit from robust and strong public schools, right? And Research and they in this article they link in a Northwestern study as, as well as a number of other studies. Spending more money gets you better outcomes. Right now, throwing money at an issue has never worked, as any spoiled child could tell you. But spending money, oh, I like that, Mr. Graves. That was good. Thank you. Spending money on schools brings us better outcomes. Period. Flat. End of risk. We we perseverate over three hundred dollars per pupil spending. But then we go to Afghanistan and spend literally trillions of dollars. So to me, um, it's... And no one ever asks about how we pay for tax cuts. To me, it's really all about what we talked about. Well, what is the point of public schools? Robust public society. So let's spend money on it. Let's hire tons of teachers. You know, let's put the money where it is. Let's yeah. Put your money where your mouth is. If we care about it, let's spend the money. Yep. We have the money. Let's do it. I would also add that... In, in lots of places in the country, it's not only spending like above maintenance of effort. It's some school systems that won't even maintain a current level right. of effort where you, your schools are on shoestring budgets and they can barely operate. Right. I mean, it's, it's, they're not, it's not even like some school systems even consider going above and beyond. In, in, in some places in the country, you have to... Um, put it on the ballot to get an activity bus yep. for an after-school program. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Uh, but again, that gets to an archaic funding formula right. that the a lot of the country continues to operate under. Right. And although there are major structural problems with school funding, absolutely, absolutely. And as this article talks about, although on the face of it, the per pupil spending looks like it's recovered from pre-recession eras. So nationwide, it's. $12,330 um, is a percentage of the actual country, whole country's GDP. It has not recovered. It's only 4.1%. So that's about half a percentage point down from what it had been in the previous, you know, 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So as we have gotten richer mm -hmm. and the economy has been booming, we have not allocated any of that money 
proportionally to schools. I know. it's pretty, So the pie has not been equally shared. It's pretty ridiculous that we have had, the, I think it's officially the longest sustained growth sustained yeah. growth in the in the in the history of the country we're still pinching pennies for schools yep all right number seven technology is m- even more present in classrooms but there still isn't much evidence that it improves learning as the decade comes to a close virtually every public school in the country has high-speed internet a major increase from 2013 District leaders and teachers report that their schools are filled with digital learning, and that's in quotes. But what that means is ambiguous. Teachers have mixed feelings. Mr. Siddons, you're a teacher. Do you have mixed feelings about this? I do. I think kids are spending too much time on screens just to start. I think people are spending too much time. Will you hit the audience with my line, uh, my other line about the use of tech in classrooms? Remember what I call it? There's enough food at the table? No. High involvement, low learning. High involvement, low learning. How do you get kids to be compliant and not be a pain in your butt is you put them on a screen. So it's not packets and worksheets. Now, it's just packets on a Google Doc. Correct. Right. And uh, you, you know, as much as she, uh, there's, a, there's a Twitter personality. Uh, she's a teacher. Uh, do, 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 I'm not, I can't remember her name. Um, Alice Dealey. And she's a, a provocateur. Oh, she's the bomb thrower. Yeah, she throws Oh, them. she makes people mad. And... Uh, you know she's, a, she's anti-tech, right? No, I, there's new. It's nuanced. nuanced? She okay. just again, she's just a provocateur in some in some ways, but uh, she's always right, um, obviously. But <laughs> but one thing that she says, and I and I have muted her many times, is that um, just because you put the packet on a work on a Word doc or a Google doc doesn't make it not a packet. Um, but and and it resonates with me because like. Even kids, when I was when I was teaching in middle school, like you'd give them the option of being off their computer, and they were like, they loved it. They did. Yeah. If you if you gave it to them, and it was still a, a meaningful lesson and meaningful learning, it, it they didn't want to be part of the Chromebook play by play because they were just sick of it because yeah. it was all the time. That's what they do. And and this goes to show you that um, throwing money at a problem that is based on technology or iPads or whatever. Right. But what is, other than the students, what's the most important resource in that classroom? Teacher. It's the teacher. So we need to invest in teachers and teacher training and teacher professional development to help them teach more effectively. Computers can. Teachers can be help uh, with that. Computers can help with that. I I was going to say, Krabs, you, you did a little research back in the day on, I think you did on personalized learning. The the use of tech was supposed to be the the the, the gateway to personalized learning. Well, to me, that has well we and we bought and this is emblematic of a larger societal issue where we have, as a society, bought in wholly to Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and technology mm-hmm. and what they're selling as an answer to yeah, basically all of our problems, whether it's Facebook and what they're selling, and then. I mean, the the push of personalized learning and computers in the classroom was heavily funded by the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. And they have so much money that they could make everybody have a computer. And it's like, well, that's great. But thinking back to something you said, I believe, last episode where maybe the Khan Academy episode where you talked about, well, in how many AP classes do you go into and all the kids are sitting there with personalized learning on on a Chromebook or on a MacBook or whatever? None. Right. Yeah. So in in some ways it's become the the sort of high poverty make you feel good look good whatever but I don't I you know in this they don't cite any studies and I've never seen any that says hey man putting computers in classrooms dramatically increases test scores. No. 
and that's kind of a, a larger point. I think we I think we'd know that by now. Yeah, and we? a larger theme throughout all of these is that how many of these are actually based on research? Yeah, we have all this ed policy out there, but like how much of it? And my guess is not a lot. Right, um, is actually funded with really well thought out research. This works. Let's fund this. We right. know this works. Mm-hmm. Number of studies have said this works. Let's do it. And a lot of it is just it's the money or. It's the new shiny idea or, you know, something like that. Well, to I'll leave you with a personal note on number seven on tech. Um, I periodically now during writer's workshop time get emails from my daughter from her Chromebook during the school day I, no doubt. titled Hey Daddy. And you I get emails from her and I have to tell her, stop emailing me. <laughs> You're in school. Go back to work. And so she's clearly, I mean, it's cute, but you should, it's... You should CC her teacher on it. I should, yeah. Oh, that you would be CC her yeah, teacher. There you go. That would be funny. <laughs> I never even thought of that. Anyway, so there's... I've CC'd your... Uh, greetings, Nora. Yeah. I've well, CC'd your, your principal on this, e- or your teacher on this email, just to keep them in the loop. Well, she, I'm wondering what, what kind of questions you have. You know, she's a, she's a clever one, and she figured out uh, that she could find me on email, and now she's, she's got that Chromebook in front of her. I and can communicate with my dad during yeah, the day. Yeah, Sweet. And there, she, that's a loophole in the system, though. Not only does she send me emails, she takes pictures of herself with the Chromebook, <laughs> <laughs> making ridiculous faces. Does she send you gifts? She does not send me. Uh, uh, no, I, I did send Guess next. I did send her a gift, <laughs> though, and to try to impress she and her friend. <laughs> anyway, all right, number eight. A school discipline overhaul reduced suspensions across the board. At the start of the decade, high-profile reports drew attention to the fact that black students were much more likely than other students to be suspended from school and that being suspended is correlated with dropping out of school. The teens were certainly the time of awareness, heightened awareness of the school-to-prison pipeline. Federal data has shown declining suspension rates, and the drop has been dramatic in several cities, including New York and Los Angeles. These efforts were sometimes controversial. Some districts failed to report true suspension rates, and some teachers said reducing suspensions made classrooms more difficult to manage. Although, uh, so, jump in. Suspension rates. What do you think? It's a, it's a challenging one. It's it is definitely a challenging one. It, I think no easy answer. No, but I mean, I th- you know the word on the street would be first, we're just not reporting it. So, or or we're going to call it, you know, in school suspension, or we're ca- going to call it something else. Uh, I think more and more school districts are coming to the conclusion that they need to have a very detailed and and holistic. Uh, school student discipline policy where it's like what do we do for individual scenarios and what merits actual suspension and removal from the education environment and i think going back to the the whole reason why it came about in the first place was that students of color were being vastly disproportionately and there's no argument about disciplined and suspended so coming from that point like we have this issue and i couldn't begin to tell you the percentage of students who were suspended were suspended unfairly or suspended for something that their white counterparts would not be Correct. suspended for. Right. I would venture to say a pretty large number. Yeah. So coming from that point, it's like, yes, we do need to do something. And in general, if you can, and this is kind of my mantra with discipline is the whole point of discipline is to change behavior. Right. Is that what you're really looking to do? And so if it's changing behavior and like you suspend a kid one time and then there's never anything, you know, well, maybe that's a calculus that you want to make and maybe right. maybe it is worth it in that one particular instance. 
But I do think it had gotten to the point, as the statistics had shown by the disproportionality, that students were just being suspended left and right, willy-nilly, and just taking kids out of school. Well, you're not you're not contributing. You're right. not being constructive, and it's not actually useful. Now, whether it's just like nobody suspend anybody, or what, what you know, what the solution is, you know, I'm less I'm less sure and less conviction about that. And I, and I would say for many many years, let's be honest, schools were largely unaccountable for their behavior totally. in in suspending kids. I mean, there was there was unless it was internal, there were no controls to monitor disproportionality or how how kids were being unfairly treated. I just wonder at times if this if suspensions are not just the tip of the iceberg educationally though. I mean, what does it say about um how we're serving kids of color in schools that um you know are are it's it's just a are are those schools really serving the needs of kids educationally other than suspending them? Are are does it what does it say about how engaged kids are in school? Right. Um I mean, I think it has educational implications. It's not just disciplinary. Do you, am I making sense? I would say educational, yes, too. But um, the other factor would be, I guess, more holistically in terms of how schools and or communities are serving the students. I'd venture to say that students that are suspended have other things going on in their lives, which make them unavailable for learning. And a mere interesting educational curriculum would... would Solve some of that, but by no means all. No, but if boys we know are suspended more than girls, yes. and then boys of color are suspended more than uh, their their white peers, or then what does it say about how we're serving those kids educationally in the classroom? Yeah, um, not well. Yeah. So I mean, I think again, I think, um, and and. And what's it say about institutionalized racism and and the role of teachers? I mean, you know, Mr. Krabs, as an administrator, you've you've had the referrals or the kids that are sent out of class um, for reasons that you probably have found completely ridiculous. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, and okay. Anyway, all right. So that um, I would say over the decade, that's that's a win for American public education. Yeah, absolutely, I think reduction yeah. of suspension, wins. having more kids in classrooms, is a win yes. because more and more people are saying that suspensions don't work, and and the the, the improvement of uh, or the inclusion of like restorative justice. I was going to say we didn't even talk talk about yeah. restorative practices. I mean, there's other ways to approach yeah. um, teaching kids right from wrong, and and restorative practices have have gone through the roof across the nation, but. Uh, I don't know. It's exciting to know that they're thinking of more, um, I don't know, actual ways that can solve kids' problems. Right. Yeah. Just sending them home. Right. All right. Number nine, and we are going to CH Siddons first on this one, Mr. Craig. <laughs> what's to say about this one? Smiling really? at me. Skip it. <laughs> the education secretary became the subject of national ridicule, even as her signature Jeez. issue, school choice, gained traction locally. I mean, the- other than rolling back things. She's been on off the radar. Do I do I need to read any of this? I don't think so. Well, the nation's secretary of education isn't typically a household name. That changed with Betsy DeVos, whose widely viewed confirmation hearing in 2017, I will say, right when Ed's Not Dead got started, That's right. helped make her one of President Trump's least popular cabinet members, although I will add she became very popular on our podcast. So, <laughs> she did. So we thank her. Yeah. I think right? we, we've deleted tweets because of her. Uh, she has not made progress on her signature issues of school choice, particularly p- 
particularly through t- tuition vouchers meant to help low-income families pay for private school. She's l- rolled back a bunch of policies um, that I would say are semi-impactful, but overall her impact has been negligent. What do you think, Mr. Sins? I'd agree. I think uh, she's been able to stay in her position because she keeps a low profile, certainly doesn't visit public schools, and uh, doesn't do much. And I'd say... Um, and that's what to, she wants. Yeah. Going back to my uh, a point I made earlier about one of the other issues was uh, about shaping the dialogue. And regardless of some of the policies that she has rolled back, which have been plenty bad, you know, she does have a large mouthpiece. And that has been vouchers. It has been school choice. And those have been pretty, pretty at the forefront, if not um, shortly there behind uh, issues that have been talked about widely in public education. So... Whether she's actually getting more kids into school choice programs or not, I think she has been successful in at least elevating that part of the conversation around education. And if anything, she's harmed different groups of people, whether it's teachers or, or students in schools. But I'm, I'm, I, one of the things that more recent news stories was that she's not offering students college debt relief and, and, and how they got screwed in, in uh, private well, schools. When you can protect the corporations... Why protect the individual? That's right. That's right. So that's oh, a win for her. Overall, her though, yachts. overall, aside from providing us with rich fodder for our podcast, um, I would say that sh- the fear of what she might wreak on public education has has not come to pass. Could be, could be, and could have been. It could oh, still be a lot worse. I agree. A lot more detrimental. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And I, I think, Mister Sins. Um, as we get to the 2020 election, um, maybe we should have a best of Dear Betsy. <laughs> Just compile quotes. And, yeah, quotes, uh, quotes, stories. quotes. Because okay. the one, the one that comes to should mind, I make a word cloud. What's or? what's the first? What's the first Betsy DeVos quote that comes to your mind? Oh, jeez, grizzly bears. <laughs> that that would be one. There is no system. There, there is, is no, no system. system. That, that's my favorite. Oh, uh, good lord! All right, number ten. Last but not least, ready. More students are earning a high school diploma, but student performance on national and international tests has stagnated. Oh, Mr. Krabs, what do you think? So, <laughs> I had a I had a uh, coming to whatever moment of uh, Jeebus. Jeebs <laughs> after after we did the episode because then I started reading more articles and what was, the Nape episode? Yeah, okay. And then on Twitter and. I was like, why are they giving this stupid test so much publicity? And right. I was like, oh, we literally just recorded an episode <laughs> where we talked about that for 25 minutes. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess it's, in my mind, it's a little overblown. I mean, going back to the testing issue, there are so many tests. This is one of a billion tests. And I'm not convinced that this is the test to end all tests that tells you everything about the future of American society. It's a test. It's a data point, but to go around hand-wringing about it and being like so worried, eh, you know, I'm just, who cares? Let's talk about the issues that we need to fix. Let's put in place some solutions, and I think the test results will come along after that. But focusing on the test uh, is is somewhat counterproductive. What do you make of perhaps the most positive trend in American public education since 2010 has been the rising high school graduation rate and declining dropout rates? It's interesting. Graduation rates have gone up for African-American and Hispanic students and suspensions have dropped. We just did that. Uh, Rising by, tide lifts all boats. By 2017, 84.6% an all-time high 
were receiving their diplomas. I think it's great. It's great. I mean, like it, it's it's not enough. Is, is it legit? I think that's that's the that I can I can already hear certain voices saying, "Well, it doesn't mean what it used to mean. Well, it means less." And I don't mean to say it that way. I'm that's just saying bull. like I'm just saying that that's of course yeah, they'll that's, say that, and and it's 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 lined with racism, and I I, I just. You know the the basic thing to have in our society is a high school diploma. I was going to say it's a pretty low bar. It's a low bar, but I I don't don't want to diminish the amount of work that kids put into the, to actually graduate from high school and 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 teachers in, in the education and, and and the school climates that we have today with testing and and school shootings and and everything else that kids have to deal with in our in our day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't want to diminish that, but I also want to you know we have to make sure that we impress upon teachers that we have to help kids graduate no matter what. Because if they leave without a high school diploma, they are without a more. They're without, it without direction. It doesn't set them back six months. It, it, it sets, sets them, them back, back a lifetime. A lifetime. Yeah. And they're more likely to go to prison, and they're more likely to be just in dis- disparate poverty over the, over the period of their lifetime. It doesn't teach them a lesson? Yeah, right. Jeez. It, it, but, but at the end of the day, it's... It's a good news story in a in an otherwise kind of challenging yeah. um, year of news. All right, that's the twenty teens for you folks. Thank Ooh. you. You had the last word, Mister Sids. That was the most talking I've done in in a month and a half. I know. Uh, Ten stories that defined K twelve education in the twenty tens. You can find it in Chalkbeat, and I do want to give a shout out to a friend of the pod, Josh Starr, who tweeted this article out on LinkedIn. And uh, that's what led me to it. And thanks especially to Matt Barnum and Gabrielle Lamar LeMay for putting this piece together. Time out. What? What are your number one predictions for the next decade of education news? Can we do that in the next segment? We're up against a break. Oh, here. sure. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll come back. We'll do a quiz. We'll do predictions. I'm, out, I'm, I'm okay with that. All right. Yeah. Don't, go, don't go away. We'll be right back. Thanks. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. As always, we are brought to you by Pulp Education, a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. I'm still here with my boys, Mr. Crable and Mr. Siddons. What's up? Hello. We are now on to the second wild card game, and we want to wrap up the show so we can watch the second half. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so- uh, I know you want to introduce us of, here. A lot of Oz there. I know there's a lot of Oz. Okay, uh, and you just said I that, mistakenly said should we make predictions for the whole decade? I don't. I want, think we should just do it for 2020. I don't really want to do them at all. Well, let me give you Larry Falazzo's. Yeah, yeah. Please, let's hear about do. Larry Falazzo's. For La, or is it Falazzo? I've had some pronunciation issues tonight. <laughs> Particularly, <laughs> I, I used the word negligent when I meant to say negligible. Uh, negligible. I just, yeah, just want to get that. Larry Falazzo, uh, big guy on Twitter. He he puts out a predictions for every year. Um, he he puts out predictions for education in the coming year. Um, so I'll just give them to you quick. The U.S. Supreme Court will rule that the Trump administration can legally end the DACA program, which began under Obama and grants permission for nearly 800,000 undocumented immigrants. That's number one. Number two, University of California system will eliminate requiring SAT or ACT scores for admission. Thoughts? I think, yeah, I think that's going to happen. Yeah. I think that's a movement that it has been and will continue to gain steam. Where more, more schools don't even yeah. bother don't, using yeah, it. Yeah. 
number three, the number of English language learners in U.S. public schools will drop for the first time because of the Trump administration's immigration policies. Uh, Disagree. His words were xenophobic immigration policies. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that's going to happen. He said, "Fortunately, it would just be a temporary blip." until a new administration recognizes the importance of administration, immigration to the future of our country. Number Next one. In, education researchers will take note of the United Kingdom's Education Endowment Foundation's new effort to actually ask teachers what they think they should research <laughs> and begin exploring the possibility of in, inst- instituting a similar effort here. Didn't Randy Weingarten talk about that? I don't see that happening. And, you know, we have a National Institute of Health, have a National Institute of Education. Yeah, I mean, it'll be cool. I just yeah. don't see that happening. Mr. Dodd? He's not interested. That Next be, one. That, that, you did that on purpose. What? That would be doctor to you. Oh. Let's get that straight. Dr. Dobbs? <laughs> it's Dr. Mr. Dobbs. Dr. Mr. Dobbs. The guy who called me Mr. Sidions on the announcements. Yeah, that's really great. The technology-driven personalized learning bubble will pop. It has burst already. And there will be a gl- growing realization that tech is just a very small part of what is needed for personalized instruction. Indeed. What do you think? I think those are good. I might add that um, this is not groundbreaking, but I think the STEM bubble has burst. Oh, absolutely! And the steam, yeah, steam. That was that was. That <laughs> he was. he says instead of throwing money at gizmos and software, as we just talked about, more and more school leaders will conclude that class size reduction, teacher training, and effective instructional strategies and support for social emotional learning should Going lead back the way. To the teacher, correct? No. Yeah, I I would I would add that I think. Um, I think there'll be a movement towards stronger school culture. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I agree. That um, I think with a new awareness on not just social emotional learning, but um, the challenges facing today's youth with mental health um, and maybe school leaders, including principals and teachers, will start to understand that building a strong school culture is integral to improving outcomes. Absolutely. I don't think you can have one without the other. Nope. Um, so I'm hoping that the technocratic movement that we've been in in education will give way to um, some of those soft skills. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Well so. said. Next right. one. What uh, do you got? Uh, just a couple more. Okay, go ahead. Use Sorry. of the New York Times 1619 Project. Uh, will increase in schools around the country and its popularity will trigger a wave of local projects examining the role of slavery in multiple communities. That'd be cool. It's quite a project. If you haven't checked it out, um, it's it's one of the most amazing things I've read. Yeah, I need to read up on that. I don't know anything about it. I'll, I'll bring you my copy. Okay. It's outstanding. Right. Uh, next one, a major study demonstrating the effectiveness of restorative practices over punitive school discipline policies will be unveiled. Just talked about that as well. That'd be nice. Yep. And before the end of the year, we'll know that Betsy DeVos will be out as U.S. Education Secretary and that a teacher will be replacing her. Mm. That's only if Trump loses. That's a little optimistic. And finally, with the departure of the Gates Foundation CEO, Sue Desmond Hellman, and after years of criticism and lack of success in its educational funding initiatives, the organization will announce (laughs) that it's stepping back from grant making in that sector. Mm, I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. Well, you know what, though? If they want to sponsor the show, we'd be happy to have them. By Mark, the way, Mark, they, Mark, they Mark to, yeah, they need to redo their money. Mark Mark by the way, Mr. Gates, if you're listening, we will take your check. <laughs> we will, absolutely. Just so everybody's clear, if it comes yeah. to selling out, yeah. we will sell out. <laughs> just, just, just <laughs> you say that Netflix, on the air. Netflix, are you listening? Yeah. Just you pay, just pay no, Casey's monthly Libsyn bill, and we'll be happy. 
right? That's true. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> we'll take 50 bucks a year. Yeah, really. All right, really. Sean, we're done. <laughs> we we love Pulp Education. They've been great sponsors, but Gates might. <laughs> they charge us a lot of money. They, 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 might, they might become the priority. Uh, the only other thing that I would add is, because now you've got me thinking, is... We've spent a lot of time in our three seasons on the show talking about the resegregation of American public schools. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see what happens with boundary studies and uh, desegregation practices. I, I have a feeling that um, there may be, despite the current administration, increased political will in certain parts of the country to yeah. tackle that. Yeah. Um, so I think because the stay tuned because the research and the impact on it. On not doing it yeah. is very very clear. Yeah, it's and it's a got, second civil rights movement, if you will. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, I think that's coming, um, but we'll see. Because yeah. a lot of that is tied to politics, and I, I think it's interesting that that has gained steam in what you know, whatever side of the aisle you're on, the current administration would not be one that would be, um, that would hold that near and dear to them. Correct. Yeah. No, they don't so, want that to happen. Right. Um, but it is happening. I mean, you read, yeah. you read about it every day. It's happening locally. It is. Uh, the Howard County public school system in Maryland has, um, taken on quite an aggressive, ambitious, uh, redistricting, redistricting plan. Something like one in 10 students will have a different school. Yeah. And, and so, um, and that's, that's really being led, by a superintendent and by a board that is supporting it. Yeah. So, yeah. Stay tuned on that one. Cool. All right. What do you got for us? So before moving on to the quiz here, uh, we were remiss in not highlighting one piece of feedback that we've gotten. We had a very nice article written show about feedback, us. Show yes. feedback going back uh, in a student newspaper called The Black and White. Um, uh, a, a really intelligent, thoughtful, well-spoken, and well-written student named Mira um, had contacted us about our podcast and the the origin story of the podcast and uh, kind of what we're aiming to do. And I think uh, she did a great job at at encapsulating um, kind of our mission and a fun, not boring uh, wow. podcast. She's um, a great writer. She's a really good writer. Yeah. yeah. And and when you know we talked a little bit about this off the air, but each of us individually, when when she interviewed us and talked to us. Um, we're really struck, uh, you know, how ma- how mature um, and thoughtful the questions were, and then how she was kind of able to take our, at least in my case, somewhat gobbledygook answers and uh, <laughs> make sense of them into something very cohesive, coherent, and uh, you know, well written. Yeah, super professional. Yeah, I did ask her if, she, if she's recording. Oh, you did. <laughs> I did. And was she? She was. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's all right. Yeah. Just want to be above board. You obviously didn't say anything. She got a quote from friend of the pod, uh, Kelly Phillips. She did. Mama Cass. She, Mama Cass. <laughs> what, what, did, what did Kelly have to say she about us? Describe the group with a quote from anthropologist Margaret Mead. I do. I said, what did uh, I say? Paleontologist. Paleontologist. <laughs> Dinosaur bones and Ed's not dead. Uh, quote, never doubt that a small group of committed, thoughtful people can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. There you go. Nothing. <laughs> Kelly's given to a little hyperbole. <laughs> we'll take it, though. You know? We'll but this, the quote encapsulates the passion they feel about the work they do. Yes, very nice. So. Thank you. Thank you to Mira for yes, for absolutely for such a nice article. Yeah, it was this. very well done. We appreciate it. Very well done. Very professional. All right. Take us out. What do you got for us, Mr. Siddons? We, we, got, uh, we got a quiz. Are we going to do another New Year special looking at the decade? No? Yeah. Okay. Year by year. 
All right, let's go. <laughs> you guys ready? Yeah, ready. All right, it's got to go faster than the 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 ten. Oh, this, I think this is gonna <laughs> clock in at our longest right, episode. Let's go. All right, so April uh, two thousand uh, twenty ten. We'll start with twenty ten, and I'll give you hints, and then you can answer. Yes. Uh, this Apple product model was the first year that it came out. iPhone, iPad. Very good, Mr. Crable. Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two thousand eleven. Everyone was. Uh, one of us. Everyone was. Yeah. And I'll. I'll the, the, there's a term for it. Laying down awkwardly everywhere. Oh, planking. Boom. Oh man. I'm so hip on culture. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 2012. Oh, 2011. Ugh. 2012. I was very busy in this decade. <laughs> yeah. You guys were. I was busy leading school. I didn't have time. I was <laughs> dribble. <laughs> I was doing. Millennial nonsense. I was planning magnet events. <laughs> I was. <laughs> uh, 2012, blank sanity took over the world. Lynn, Lynn sanity. sanity. Oh, tie. Uh, what team? Houston Rockets. Oh, there you go. All no, right. New York Knicks. All right, well, here's a tiebreaker for that one in 2012. <laughs> Blank style became the most watched video G- ever. Gingham. Gingham style, yeah. That would, well, you said Gingham. You said Gingham. So. <laughs> Does he get it? Gingham. <laughs> no, the preppy version. Is it... Going Gingham style, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Is it a tablecloth? I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's embarrassing. All right, 2013, the death of this civil rights leader in South Africa. Uh, Mandela. Nelson Mandela. That's yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to say the word. What? I said the first name. Listen, the you more you make fun of me saying say things Nelson. on the microphone, the okay. more the Peter Craven gets okay. more points. All right, fine. Uh, this and okay, so 2014, uh, everyone was doing this challenge. Uh, the ice, ice bucket. bucket. Oh, that's a tie. Okay. All right. <laughs> Tiebreaker for 2014. Uh, let's see. This epidemic became a global health crisis. Um, um, Ebola. Ebola. Darn, you guys tied again. Same time again. One more. 2014. March of 2014. Why are you doing tiebreakers? An airplane disappeared when a blank airlines passenger jet disappeared without a trace. Uh, Australia. uh, That was in uh, Malaysia. Malaysia Air. Oh, man. Man. All right. Somewhere near Australia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Australian. Search and rescue teams. That's right. And I think it went down towards the South Pole. Somewhere, yeah. Yeah. There was a great article I read on it. It's a fascinating. It's a, it's a total, total mystery. It's a total mind bender. Yeah, man. it is a mind bender. Uh, I, I think I think the, the pilot was basically making a beeline for the South Pole when it disappeared. Okay. Jeez. It was it was, depressing. I'm trying to think of that article that I read. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. 2015, this became legal in the United States. Matawana. <laughs> what gay marriage gay marriage oh, okay sorry marijuana is still not legal in the United States okay. I thought maybe you were talking that about that was so funny Colorado so funny alright what 20- year was Colorado it was around that time probably yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay I was 2016 I got this uh, I won't use that one uh, uh, Harambe was this animal Eep. Chimpanzee, gorilla, <laughs> uh, lion. It's a gorilla. Became an internet phenomenon. He died in which zoo? Uh, Cincinnati. Very good. Oh, very good. That. Don't you have family out there? I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Did you go visit <laughs> my in-laws? Your in-laws? <laughs> no, I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right, 2017 millions attended this march. The women's, uh, women's march. march. 
Women's March. What? No. Excuse yep, me. People got it. <laughs> I said woo. Before My wife. You want to have a tiebreaker? Uh, okay. We experienced. Hold on. Hold on. August 2017. Hold on. We experienced a total blank. Whose wives went to the women's march? Mine. Mine. Mine did not. Okay. Total blank in 2000. Did mine go with yours? No. Okay. No, no. All right. Uh, say it again. We experienced a total blank. Oh, uh, solar eclipse. That's Lunar right. Eclipse. Some sort of solar I was eclipse. On the, I was on the beach. I, I looked at it through a cereal box. <laughs> we did the little pinhole thing. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was oh, kind of cool. Fun. Yeah. And January 2018... There is a false missile warning in this location. Um, uh, false missile warning. New York, but... Uh, Japan. No idea. Hawaii. Mm. Mm. I don't remember that. Right. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, it was a little scary. Yeah, it was a big deal, yeah. <laughs> yeah they oh, like, they somebody, went under full in, alert. Somebody just yeah. like hit the wrong button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, okay. a, it was, a, it was a poor civil servant. <laughs> yeah. made a terrible big mistake. Big red button poor that said guy. do not yeah. press. Yeah. Somebody, somebody, yeah. How are you supposed to know not to press Somebody's that? Somebody's butt hit it, yeah. man. Yeah. How are you supposed to What if it's not real? You know. Right? All right, go ahead. Which, uh, in 2018, which had the biggest Google search spike in terms of news? 2018? 2018. This is kind of an addendum. Which event? 2018. Give us like a category. Sports. Mm, I don't know. Women's soccer. I'm giving it to Mr. Dobbs. Soccer. World Cup. Hey, nice. Maybe. All right. I got it. 2019. Uh, I want this game to end as fast as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Which country accomplished the first landing, their first landing on the far side of the moon? China. China. Very good. China. And that would be the decade. Nice. Yeah. Should be 2020. No, we don't do that. 2020 is the part of the 20s. Okay, got it. <laughs> the Roaring 20s. We, we've officially decided. It's that, the Roaring 20s. That was, what possibly could go wrong in I, the Roaring 20s? I like these end of decade shows. That was a really good quiz. That's good. I'm glad you liked yeah, it. You, you did a nice, like all nice look back. He did a nice job on he that, did. didn't he? He did, yeah. And yeah, guess how ones. much politics I brought into it. You did 1%. Not, no. Very little. It was, you did very well. Little, you did well. All right, folks, as always, you can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. Check out our website, edsnotdead.com. Mr. Krabs, any announcements for the good of our audience? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no, uh, no giveaways. Yeah, we, got, we still got the stickers. Yeah. Uh, you gave away a bunch I, at the I conference. Act, I actually have all the stickers. Did you give away any at the conference? Yeah, I did give okay. away yeah, some. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to conference in February, so I'm going to... What, what about Amel? <laughs> oh yeah, man, that's a great one. Jeez, look. yeah. See, uh, so we are going to be. I'm not sure over the cover story in AMLE magazine, but we are going to be one of the feature stories. It's a very long article. Several thousand words were put on the paper. Wow. Um, none, of, of, none of which I read <laughs> about easing the transition uh, into middle school. Uh, so it's going to be all about project, project success. success. That's right. Semi-self-contained learning communities. Right. That's um, what they're called. Yeah, so that should be out at the beginning of February, and definitely looking forward to that. Very right. exciting. So you'll let the listeners know when that We're going to tweet it ad nauseum, and yes. you're going to be yeah. so irritated by yeah. it. Very nice. Um, Mr. Sids, what do you got coming up? Anything? Mm, I think there, I'm, I'm going to be working on some blog posts. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. I haven't determined what exactly we're going to be releasing, but okay. stay tuned. All right. I got some... What do they call it? What's the analogy? Something in the fire. Mm, an iron. 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 I have several irons in the fire. I think you have maybe one. <laughs> two. Okay, two. <laughs> if you want, tell me. I'm good at writing them. I'm not so good at um, 
What's it? Ideas? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I got so, lots of ideas. Okay, yes. I'm George, an idea man. All right. <laughs> I'm, I've come to realize this. I'm not really an idea man <laughs> myself. I'm more of a bureaucrat. I'm, well, de- I'm, de- I'm definitely an idea man. You're an idea well, here's, man. Here's I'm one. You never email me any ideas about things to write about, so... Well, I, it's we, your we, fault, really, we, that we, we don't have more posts up. Recently. I'm just, <laughs> I blame I'm just, you. I'm just not strong on the execution front. That's what I'm saying. I can do it. I can make things happen. Yeah, you're. Gonna, I'm a doer. You're a doer. I started coming up with the policy ones, and uh, I kind of stalled once the baby was born. That's understandable. Uh, the, uh, when the Green New Deal came out, I was. I was oh yeah, you, that was a big one you were working deal. on. Yeah. yeah, but it yeah, became a little too much it. of a bear. Yeah, so I got to take some time to break it down okay. a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, as always, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Spread the word about Ed's Not Dead. Mr. Crable is going to be compiling a best of show coming out soon. So don't got it, don't miss that. It'll have awesome segments from over our three seasons. And, and leave us like feedback four on hours iTunes. Long. <laughs> yeah, and leave us leave us leave yes, us. Please do. People have been going on and giving us um, reviews and stars, whatever that's called, ratings, I guess. Yes. So keep doing that. It's great to see. I'm still caught off guard by the people that listen. I had a fellow principal recently catch me in a hallway at a meeting, and he's listening to every show. That's awesome. awesome. Yep. Yeah. He said he was that's a little great. behind, but he loves that's not dead. Better late than never. So thanks for your support, and thanks to Pulp Education, a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership instruction and 21st century school reform for their support. We will talk to you soon. For Peter and Casey, thanks for joining us. Not dead.